Last week, we talked with a business coach about making it through economic crashes. This week, we talk with a successful full-time YouTuber about building and maintaining community as your organization scales and your audience explodes. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Yes, you saw it in the title of this podcast. We are talking to Jacob Ayosa again, Mr. A-Game, YouTuber, extraordinaire, uh, just a creative genius. In the last few years, he's grown his YouTube channel to 137,000 subscribers and uh, actually just recently went full-time just doing YouTube, and I think that's a really incredible accomplishment. Uh, he's a creative geni- genius, and he's built his channel on just being just an authentic person, which we we so respect. So, Jacob, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Ted and Lisa. Great to be back. Um, ready to just talk about you know passionate things like <laughs> YouTube and you know careers and everything. I'm so excited. Oh, we're super excited to have you back. Um, last time you were here, you were talking so much about passion projects and mm-hmm. when to take that step. If our listeners haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. Um, but we're just so thankful that you decided to come on here again with us. Uh, for our uh, listeners, would you please just share about kind of your past? Give us your story about how you ended up where you are now. Okay. So um, I've, I've always had a, a passion for education. Um, so I, since grade 10, I've always kind of wanted to be a teacher um, in some sort of capacity. I've loved working with children. Um, I was a volunteer at my church in the children's church back when I was a teenager, just hanging out with kids, um, just playing games. Um, and so for me, I've always kind of liked teaching. And from about 2012 to 2016, was studying education and coupled that with a Bachelor of Arts in screen and media. So I've always liked media and, you know, TV, movies, music, video games, any type of thing that you can consume on a screen, I'm all for. (laughs) Like, even ads. I look at ads and people are like, oh, man, not TV ads. I look at ads and, like, these ads are funny and they're hilarious and I enjoy (laughs) sometimes watching ads if they're really well done. I'll watch an ad. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. Um, so I was teaching uh, in 20, 2015 and I was I was in schools, right? And because I loved media so much, I would often teach kids about video game music because video game music is always so different compared to regular music because mm-hmm. the the composers and producers always need to take into account the extra aspect of video games, which is the player. So the player will always do something, um, like the player will do something in a game and the music that's happening in the game needs to reflect what's going on. And so I'd be teaching kids about how music loops and how sometimes there's different layers which occur at different points in games and stuff. And so this this is like my go-to lesson of just teaching video game music. And so it's like, it's great because kids love video games. And so if you go into a new school, automatically you've got a one-up and so kids are like oh my gosh this teacher's amazing can we bring him back and so 
um, that was my kind of in for schools. And also, I got to talk about video games, so that was awesome as well. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> kids would come up to me afterwards and they'd be like, oh, my gosh, you must love video games. They're like, yeah, I love playing Mario Kart. And they're like, cool, I like playing Call of Duty. And they're like eight years old. And I'm like, <laughs> hmm, <laughs> that's probably not great. And I'm like, do your parents really know that those games really aren't appropriate for kids or anything like that? And the kids are like, yeah, they just buy it for me anyway. And I'm like, why? Like, why are parents <laughs> so uneducated in, you know, game ratings for kids? Like, they're not rated M or MA because, you know, they want to just not have fun. They're rated M or MA because they're not appropriate for kids and they actually shouldn't be playing them. And so um, I was at a point where I was like, how can I show kids without being like a total, like a, a total buzzkill that you shouldn't <laughs> be playing Call of Duty, you shouldn't be playing Grand Theft Auto V, um, because they're not appropriate for you kids. And so um, I'm looking at all these media forms and YouTube was like the big up and coming thing, um, especially for gaming. Like people would record themselves playing video games and they would post them on YouTube. And you got people like PewDiePie and Markiplier who have millions of subscribers just playing video games. And I'm like, this is it. I can do this. Um, and so like with my um, Bachelor of Arts in Screen and Media, I'd also done some jobs while I was studying teaching about video editing and photo editing and all that kind of stuff as well. So I kind of had that basic skill of knowing how to edit a video. So I was like, okay, well, I can make a YouTube video. It's not that hard. So did a bit of research, found a game capture card, found a microphone, found a webcam, just all the basic things you need to make a YouTube video. And from there, I posted a video um, played playing Splatoon and it got 20 views in a day. And I was like, fantastic, 20 views. And they were all of my friends. No kids were watching, but it was 20 <laughs> views. <I'm> like, <laughs> um, so that was the very start of just me putting myself out there on YouTube just to see what would happen and to see if I could make a small difference in society. And I didn't really see any fruits of that until like a year in when people outside of my friendship group were actually starting to watch and they're like, oh, this guy doesn't swear. This guy is playing age appropriate games for my kids. I'm okay with letting my kids watch him on YouTube. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then we're at the point now where there's 137,000 subscribers and I get messages probably, you know, once or twice a day of parents who are like, thank you so much for not being someone who swears or, or thank you so much for not playing Fortnite because I don't want my kids to play this game. <laughs> so, um, I think, so, yeah, I, think I might have been um, one of those parents that, said, that yeah. like, mentioned that on your channel. Yeah, it's like, thank goodness. Like, it's someone who's not playing Fortnite or a game with guns. I'm just like, parents just so sick of it because their kids get so addicted to video games because that's how video games are designed. They're designed for people to enjoy. Um, so... Um, so, yeah, that's basically my channel and that's basically, you know, it's always been the driving force to make sure that kids have a place where they can come and watch and have a good time and, you know, have memes that are probably, you know, really outdated but still funny because they're repeated every single episode and it's just funny because if you watch <laughs> it from the start and if you watch it five years into the future, they're still doing the same old stuff all over again. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just 
that's that's my channel and that's basically my business now it's just making sure that i'm providing content for kids and families to make sure that you know they're having fun with video games that it uh, in an age-appropriate setting as well that's really awesome I, I was when you were talking about using video games to to educate in the school setting mm-hmm. all of a sudden i like i had this like we got to talk about this because here in the U.S. and I'm guessing kind of almost everywhere, like because of uh, coronavirus and stuff, and yep. school school looks really different here. I don't know what what's it look like over there in Australia. Is there a lot of distance learning and stuff too? Or? Um, you know, schools are kind of open here, basically just because um, our coronavirus cases, particularly in South Australia, are basically zero. Okay. Um, we had a point in I think it was March where. Coronavirus was just hitting as soon as our school holidays hit. So we had basically the worst hit for us was we took an extra week of school holidays just to kind of see how how the virus would kind of pan out. But um, in South Australia, our cases didn't really go too high. So schools were basically, apart from this one week where we had an extra week of school holidays, um, they've basically just been normal. So we haven't really had much oh, distant learning at all yeah so i we we've had a lot of conversations with people here in the u.s because i mean school mm-hmm. is very different you know here yeah. now mm-hmm. and um especially because now kids are home right and they're doing a lot mm-hmm. of their school through screens and stuff parents are having to try to figure out okay my, my kid's home they want to play video games all day but they they shouldn't because they're you know trying to do school at the same time they're trying to figure yep. out how to balance these two things and uh, what you were just talking about was really interesting, and I think it'd be kind of cool to get some insight from you for, especially our homeschool parents that are listening, mm-hmm. like incorporating some of the video game concepts and thoughts into school and education. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how would you approach yeah. that? Oh, well, there's, there's always such this big risk with, you know, trying new forms of technology in education. Um, the biggest one, like the biggest thing that I kind of know with using video games as technology is Minecraft. Like, teachers swear off of this. And for me, I'm not really someone who's actually seen it in action, basically because I kind of missed the whole Minecraft phase. But I remember sometime this year, um, I was I was doing after-school care, and one of the kids was like, oh, yeah, we've got a project in Minecraft. And I'm like, oh, cool. What are you doing? Like, what, what are you what's this project and they're like oh we've got to design a shopping mall in minecraft and i'm like oh that's actually really cool um and so like for minecraft there's a certain amount of things you can do in the game but they basically they were just using creative mode and basically they just had to design a shopping mall and they had to design like a layout of a mall that would be good for consumers so not a mall that is like a spiral because that's just you know, not <laughs> no, you um, can get so, in but you can't get out <laughs> yeah exactly um so just um just basic learning stuff like that where um yeah you just have to think oh how will people walk into the store how's the layout of the store going to be what's going to be in the store what are the people selling what kind of shops are going to be there um so i've always found minecraft really interesting because i've played it probably once or twice in my life and i have absolutely no idea what's going on when i look at it and i'm like cool that's great um (laughs) but i've always seen um especially in the after school care setting we have kids come in and they're like oh we've got um we've got mathletics to do for homework and it's an ipad app where they are they're doing maths which is fine like doing their times tables doing their division but 
they're competing against people online. So there's that competitive aspect where oh, they smart. want to be better than someone else instead of just wanting to better themselves. They're it's like, like oh. Fortnite, but with math instead of guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're competing against people. So automatically they're like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to be better than Xavier at maths. I'm going to take him down. So um, there's always like, there's always those fun aspects which can kind of come in in a game setting, which like you can't really get that in a school like an actual classroom setting so um yeah it's very interesting to see how this will actually turn out in a few years um like i for one don't actually know if this is going to be like a huge success in education or if it's going to be just a massive flop and people are going to be like oh they're actually they're not they're not learning anything so um <laughs> they're like, just playing. your guess is as good as mine i don't know like it's it's such a new frontier for yeah. education but but still very exciting to see it as well. Yeah. Um, I love something that you mentioned earlier. And I think, I mean, we have a background playing video games. I was playing video games like the old Nintendo system, you know, growing yeah. up with that. And it was just funny growing up because I had no problem with failure in a video game. But then when I got to real life, yep. I'd fail and I'd be like, it's the end of the world. And once I could switch my yeah. mindset over into it's okay to try and try and try and try again until you succeed. Mm -hmm. uh, that was huge for me and for yeah. like all of our business stuff and everything else. I, I, uh, I have a cousin who is a really successful business owner. And I remember talking to him when, you know, cause we, I kind of went to college and he started a business and I remember talking mm -hmm. to him at one point and being like, hey, you know, what's your secret to business? Like, how are you doing so well? And he's like, man, I just see it like a game. It just, it, it to me, it's like, uh, playing Command and Conquer, and it's just it's it's all the same things. It's just resource management, like looking and finding the different things. Like some stuff comes That's in, so some stuff goes out. Yeah, and it it it's clear that it's given him a competitive advantage in the in the. In, Oh, there's a bug in my face. <laughs> given, given him a competitive advantage in the workplace environment just because uh, he he does see it like a game. And, you know, if there's a little bit of a loss here, it's not the end of the world. You can just, like, keep trying at something or try a different strategy yeah. or or whatever. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really interesting seeing that play out for him. But I think so many others that are our age, I mean, I think... Yep. You and I have we, we've probably learned a lot of things about running a business from playing video games, and it's interesting. Yeah, it's so how, weird to think about. And our parents would be like, "Stop playing those." And we're like, "But they're fun." <laughs> like, yeah, I, I have so, a question for you, just real quick, with that, just because I think this yep. is interesting. So, sure. so, so you run you, you run this YouTube channel, and people have yep. asked me because you know I do a YouTube channel too or whatever. People have asked me like, "What's your favorite mm -hmm. game?" And I always lie to them because I say it's Breath of the Wild. But my, yep. my real video game that I'm playing is YouTube. Do you ever feel yeah. like that when you're looking like at the analytics and like that stuff? Do you do you ever feel like that? Or not really. Like I I like looking at the analytics at the end of the month and mm. say if like the revenue's down, I always like to go back and think, oh, why is it down? So like why why have I dropped in revenue this month compared to last month, which is you know it's gone really well and for me most of the time is just like the type of content i create um so for example um last month was a really good month because i did a lot of breath of the wild videos and so for me that's the main driving force of my channel a lot of um a lot of subscribers come for breath of the wild and because i did more breath of the wild videos like it was just simple more breath of the wild videos equals better month 
So I was like, oh, cool. Whereas this month, you know, there's been new Mario games come out. They've had the whole Mario 35th anniversary. So I've kind of shifted just a little bit to kind of cater for these new Mario games coming out as well. And so as great as that is, and it's hopefully going to bring in new audiences at, at the very, you know, the first point of it, which is this new month with all these new games, revenue and views and everything is going to be lower because I haven't got that new audience yet. So um, I guess that could be, you know, I could see it as a game. But for me at the moment, it's more of just a, oh, it's just interesting just to see how, like, you look back at the past month and see how you've tracked compared to, you know, like a standard month, which does really well. So it's more for you, like, just like you kind of take in the data and you just kind of like. Yeah, basically. Okay, how, yeah. Can, I, how can I adjust just to kind of almost to play with the data a little bit and see what's it doing? Yeah. What adjustments could I make? That's a really cool way to look at it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's yeah. really important. Oh, and especially... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can go. You go. <laughs> no, we're interviewing you. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, also, like, because going full-time as well, um, I have actually seen, like, that's been one big factor which has attributed to actual good growth um, just because I've got, you know, more time to actually make videos. That has been a real good aspect as well like look back on the past month and be like oh you know revenue has been lower but there's more videos and so in the long run it'll probably actually turn out better not just for mm. this month but it will be like a snowball going forward so yeah, yeah. that's yeah, just something i wanted to add <laughs> no I, that's fantastic i think a lot of people forget to look at the long-term perspective so I mean, you got started with your YouTube channel about five-ish years ago? Yep. So it's 20, 2015. Yeah. So when you got started, because yep. I know a lot of people who listen to us, they want to get started on something or they kind of start yep. something. It doesn't work the way they expect it to work in the first three to six months. And then they start questioning <laughs> whether or not it was the thing. So yeah. what advice do you have looking back over the last five years to where you are now? What would you tell someone who's in that first 90 days? Well... Ooh, good question. I think for me, I never really saw YouTube as a job. It was it was more just of a um, like a hobby, just for me to be like, oh, I've got all this free time. You know, I'm relief teaching one or two days a week, and as much as I love playing Mario Kart every day, I'm getting kind of bored of this. So you know, if I can do something <laughs> else, um, that's kind of beneficial you know, to my life and maybe impact someone else, then great, cool, I'll do that. Um, it was never uh, it was never the whole aspect of, oh, I want to become famous and make lots of money off of YouTube. <laughs> it was more just, um, it was more just like a fun hobby to, you know, just a creative project just to do. And if I do make money off of it, then awesome. That's really cool. But it was never really there for the money. It was mainly just for fun. Um, but I guess if in terms of business, um, I guess people, when people dive straight into a business, I think one of the most important aspects is to remember that it's the first 90 days of starting something. You are not going to see results, you know, instantly, like, especially with YouTube, people can rise to fame in the blink of an eye. And that's awesome. Like good on them, but that doesn't happen for everyone. Like there is no way in this society where everyone is trying to be seen, everyone's trying to have their five seconds of fame, that everyone's going to get that. Um, so especially like for small businesses, um, you know, people just starting out, 
it will be rough at first. Like it, you're not going to have, you know, a hundred customers walk in on your first day, but if you do, amazing like well done you've obviously done something very well in terms of marketing and getting through to new customers then then that's great and you're on to a winner there but for a lot of people there's always going to be that risk involved when you start something new that you know it might not work out at the start and it's going to actually have to be a tough slog to get to a point where you're profitable that's smart and i think a lot of people look at i mean they'll see too um uh, YouTube is such a great example of this too. Like uh, Logan Paul is a good example. He just he just yep. appeared out of nowhere, right? And all of a sudden he's this huge yeah. giant channel. And of course he did dumb things, <laughs> and now he's gone or whatever. But still, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe he is still on YouTube. <laughs> well, I, don't I think know. he's I don't, still around. Yeah, I don't, I don't hear about him. But um, yeah, the thing is, like he had stuff going on before he was on YouTube. Like oh, absolutely, I, yeah. And and before that, he had stuff going on. I I, I feel mm-hmm. like he was like uh, connected to Disney or something beforehand. But yeah, either way, like there is this period right where um you're doing so much stuff behind the scenes that people don't see and so like you said like you if you start a business and you on your first day 100 customers walk in that's awesome you've done something right and chances are in that scenario you've probably been building that clientele for the last five years with Mm -hmm. other things that you do and now you have 100 customers and same thing with YouTube, you've got, you know, 137,000 subscribers now at year five. There's all sorts of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff you've done for the last five years. But even before that, like you just said, your whole your whole backstory is all like a journey of getting to this point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yep. I think sometimes people, I mean, they forget that. Right. They see the end result mm-hmm. and they're like, I want that tomorrow without realizing that it was five yeah. years on YouTube and random video editing before and schooling and being yeah. fascinated yeah it's just yeah so interesting yeah, absolutely like <laughs> i even get kids um like at school that always come up to me because like they knew i do youtube stuff and like it was cool and so they come up to me and they'd be like oh i want to be a youtuber when you when i grow up and i'm like are you absolutely sure that you want to do that and they're like yeah all i need to do is just film videos and play video games and i'm like buddy <laughs> there is so much more involved here and i'm like do you know how to do like do you know how to video edit and they're like no and i'm like well you need to learn to do that and i'm like do you know what kind of equipment to get and they're like no and i was like well you need to research how to do that and i was like what's what's going to happen if you film a video and it gets 10 views and they're like oh well then i'll be a bit disappointed i was like yeah like it's not going to happen straight away you're going to have to be doing this for years before you actually see something like before we actually make money and they're like well what do i do in the meantime it's like you get a job like a normal person (laughs) (laughs) so so, yeah a lot of kids yeah like they see the end results and they're like oh cool he's doing cool videos and that's great but like you should see my first videos they're rough like i i didn't know how to edit for any like i did know how to edit but compared to now it was still that that aspect of growth and actually getting to a point where I was competent enough to actually make good videos. Like the first videos are trash. Like I look <laughs> at them and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you know, it's probably what's really funny is you're probably going to look back in five years on the videos you're doing now and go like, oh my gosh, I can't. Believe yeah, I probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. No, that's uh, that's that's such a an important thing to think to think about. Like. If you're going to start something new 
you mentioned this too in our in our quick little episode that we did a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're gonna start something new, having having that backup plan, but also just that thing to to keep you going so that you can fuel your your passion project. You know, mm-hmm. otherwise you're gonna end up being a starving artist and maybe have to quit before your time is yep. up. And planning ahead and saying, how can I be consistent with this how can i mm-hmm. you know map out my plan for my side hustle so that way i can mm-hmm. continue to do it into the long run because it's gonna take a long run to get to a point where i'm seeing success and like even seeing profit like most businesses aren't even profitable in the first year which is crazy to think yep. about but it's it's totally true like you know you think back to youtube mm-hmm. like you spent more money on games and and stuff than that you made <laughs> right? yeah absolutely yeah right away that's it Mm-hmm. So right now, what's kind of, um, I don't want to ask what your biggest struggle is because that sounds so negative, um, but what's the area that you're really looking ahead saying, this is an area that I could grow in or that I could be moving mm-hmm. toward? I know it can be YouTube related. It can be non-YouTube related. Um, I think leadership and creativity mm-hmm. principles apply everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's probably two for me. Um first one is youtube related and it's just kind of fostering that idea of community mm-hmm. um because like i'm at a point now where there's 137,000 people who you know who tune in and watch videos which is cool but at the same time am i doing my best job as you know the person in charge of this um you know cultivating a community of positivity for you know the people who are actually watching like um, for people, for things like community days where like we, we play games together or just, you know, am I still accessible to the people who want to just have someone to chat to or like someone to just talk to about video games? Like, am I doing my best to make sure that I am still kind of not up in the clouds being like, oh my gosh, I've got 137,000 subscribers. This is amazing. But like still actually being the same person that started out five years ago and still, you know, wanting to make a change for the better. Um, so that's something I've been trying, like, I've, it's something I've actually been struggling with because, like, when you're in a community of anything, you're with people. And as much, as great as people are, people can sometimes be just the worst as well. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, um, there's always going to be, um, especially with, like, a channel aimed towards all ages there's always going to be you know those kids who won't stop hassling you for just just attention they just want attention and you're like well i can't actually give you all this attention all the time but look you know finding finding the line of like okay i'm going to you know chat with these people on my discord and you know have a good time and then i'm going to you know do my work and just you know making sure that people all get a chance to have a chat or get something from me and then also finding the balance for myself of not driving myself insane of you know talking to people all day who i have absolutely no idea what their deal is and they're just like they just want cool videos all the time so that's one thing for me um the second thing is just balance like balance in my day-to-day activities um balance with my social life and balance with this youtube career um because especially with YouTube, it's such, it's a total grind because you're basically determining whether your channel is successful based on how fast you are making content. 
that's basically the YouTube algorithm because if you don't make a video for a week, then all of a sudden when you do make a video, it's not going to be recommended much because YouTube sees that week off as, oh, that's a week of no watch time that people aren't watching. So mm -hmm. it's always a struggle of, oh, am I editing a video fast enough to get it out in time so that people will still think that I'm relevant and still watch? Or am I burning myself out by not seeing my friends for a week straight? <laughs> and do I need to take a day off and not look at a computer for a day and go and hang out with my friends? So hmm. there's that massive balance of, you know, just living your in real life life and also your YouTube life as well, which, you know, that can be, that can be swat, like switched out for any growing business. Like mm -hmm. as much as it could be your passion project at the end of the day, it's still your business and that doesn't define who you are. That's just what you do. So you still got to make sure that you've got your outside life as well, which is very important. So that's something that, especially going full time for me, it's something I am struggling with a little bit because it's like, oh, I've got Monday to Friday where I don't have to do anything now. I'm going to make videos all day and it's going to be sick. And then by Friday, I'm like, I haven't seen my friends in a week. What is going on? Is Jacob alive or uh, I don't yeah, know what's going on? That's basically <laughs> it. So, um, yeah, that, that's my, my big struggle and something mm, I can grow yeah. in the future. I think that's surprisingly common among business owners or leaders, whether it being for-profit or non-profit, mm -hmm. um, because I think you start seeing that success. And the assumption from the outside is once someone is successful and doing what they want to do, it means they have all the freedom. But mm -hmm. once you hit a certain level of success, it's almost like sometimes your choices become less or fewer. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I think sometimes people forget that, that yes, mm -hmm. they're success, but you're also like suddenly now you're responsible for yourself right? versus mm -hmm. relying on someone right. else. No, it's yep. true. I, I, man, I just, I love what you were talking about for a second with, with as you grew and like trying to figure out how to foster community. This is something I think um, a lot of like church organizations, parachurch organizations, nonprofits in general, especially as they start to really grow is something that they, they need to figure out too. And this is a really big conversation, yep. I think, because mm -hmm. it take a church, for example, when you got 50 people attending a church, they can all have a, a good, pretty strong relationship with the leader of that church. But yeah. all of a sudden now the church is 200 or 400. Now it starts to become mm -hmm. this strange thing. The pastor can't actually have a, a friendship with every single person in that in yeah. that church, in that congregation, or as a, as a nonprofit organization, uh, uh, maybe mm -hmm. they're helping to fund uh, food in a third world country and they have volunteers that help them put that stuff together. Um, at yep. first, when there's just a few, you have this small community. It's pretty easy to, to make a tight-knit community, but how do you take and scale mm -hmm. that and expand that and really let it um, kind of grow beyond just you as a person? Because like it or not like and this is what this is this is why we talk about this stuff all the time with legacy builders like it or not at some point yeah. we're all gonna die and what's gonna yeah. happen what's gonna happen with you know the mr a game youtube channel what's gonna happen with the movement that you started of like people being able to have a fun place where they can go where they can play games together where you know all the same community things are still happening but how do we kind of seed that so it can grow into something that people are still tight knit even with us without us being at the center of it and I, that mm -hmm. is a really really good question and it deserves a lot of thought and 
I've yeah. read a couple things on that, and, and a lot of uh, like tribal psychology and and that kind of stuff because yeah. like tribes stick together and they create their own tight knit communities even when like the mm-hmm. chiefs pass pass away right and then they they bring up yeah. like new chiefs and new leadership and stuff and I think that that's a really interesting <clears throat> problem not just for YouTubers as they grow but like you were saying just business owners organizations and, right in general yeah. that's a big thing to think about so yeah sure. oh who knew this many big thoughts could come out of YouTube <laughs> oh you, yeah, that's it, it, yeah the thing with YouTube and the internet is if it exists it's on there so if yeah. there are big thoughts YouTube it's, has it's them. on YouTube it's just it's alongside yeah. kittens playing piano and all sorts of other crazy yeah. stuff <laughs> But you really got to filter out the content there. It's true. <laughs> yeah. So much of um, what you're dealing with, though, with building community, it's that same thing is exacerbated. Not in a bad way, necessarily, but the fact that we're so accessible through people, through technology, mm-hmm. it's a new form yep. of community that has to be built. So, listen, we so appreciate you being on. We do want to ask one final question as we wrap up, and I hate to wrap up because mm-hmm. this is so good. <laughs> um, but... Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask, what does the idea of building a legacy mean to you? Yeah, it really, it really means something that, like, legacy is something that can be taken down for future generations. Um, something that my church often talks about is when we have, like, I, don't, I think most churches do this. They have, like, a big offering once a year or something just to fund projects going on in the church um and our church calls it our legacy offering and that i the way they explain it is basically you know this stuff might not be you might not see the fruits of this offering straight away but your kids will see it and your grandkids will see this um so last year um one of the big things that one of the big needs that my church wanted was a basketball court for the youth to come in, like not just the kids from church, but like a basketball court in the church building that can be accessible for everyone. So like, you know, some youth kids want to just come in throughout the week and just shoot some hoops and they will have a basketball court available because we're in an area where, you know, there are kids who are on the streets. And so for us, it was like seeing that big need of, oh, this is something that is bigger than me and this is something that can go on past my, you know, past my reach and something that can be, you know, utilised by someone else in the future as well. Um, so when I think legacy and, you know, bringing it back to me as well, like I want to be, I want to have this channel or this community where it can actually, you know, once I've finished doing this, it can still actually be impactful you know 10 to 15 years down the line as well um and like i i'm not sure how that will pan out um you know youtube is a very fickle environment where you can be relevant one day and irrelevant the next but like if i can see this channel going on for at least another five years then that's a win for me, I see that as a total win because in five years' time, who knows what technology is going to be out there and who knows what video games are going to be out there. But if in five years' time there's still that message of you can have fun playing video games without 
you know, resorting to gun games and, you know, high, highly sexual games, then that's a win. I'll take that. That's, mm. you know, a total win for the future as well. That's an awesome, yeah. awesome answer. I love that thought that just like some kind of reverberating impact. And especially when you put it in YouTube terms, like 15 years in YouTube, it, like it's like it's the opposite forever. of like dog years. Like it's like yeah. 400, <laughs> 400 IRL years is like 15 years in YouTube, right? Things move so quickly. Yep. Um, memes die the next day, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, and and uh, it's it's just it's a really cool environment to think about legacy because it it squishes it compresses those time mm-hmm. frames and we have to start thinking about like fifteen five years becomes a really long term goal for a mm-hmm. place like YouTube and and the place like the internet um, but just even getting those wheels spinning now for that then helps us take those same principles that we're putting into place for this short long-term goal take those same principles yeah. and apply them to you know 400 years in in the real world that's mm-hmm. awesome well uh before we wrap up here i just want to i want our listeners to know where can they find you mr a game oh absolutely um so i'm on youtube as we mentioned um so yeah all the all the socials will be in the podcast notes as well so i'm on youtube i do a couple streams on twitch every week as well um, so if you want to catch me live on Twitch, I'll be there on normally Mondays and Wednesdays in Australian time. So good luck finding that for American time. <laughs> um, also on Instagram and Twitter as well. So um, you can find me there. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thank you so cool much means. for coming back. Uh, you've just been so interesting to listen to. We're so appreciative of you. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I've had such a great time just chatting about my heart. So yeah, it's been really great. Really love being here. Hey everyone, stay tuned for next episode where we talk with one of the nation's most dynamic speakers about how to hand off leadership and responsibility when you know you could do a better job. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this content and feel that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to go to iTunes, subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com.